Follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I'm Shad with Matt and Brad. Guys, how are you? Doing good, Shad, as always. Doing good. I am I am sad about the injury to Dan Housen. Yes. Uh, he is getting a he's getting like a rod in there, so he really broke it. Yeah. Yeah, he broke his tibia and fibia, I think. He uh, he had a really funny tweet about that where he's like where he, when he announced uh, that he had to have the like a basically a surgical hardware. Oh, he did in. the Mr. Burns inanimate Carlin yes. rod. <laughs> yes, yes. He posted that picture, which was hilarious. Um, I, I I have shared before on the podcast. I am not a medical uh, individual, but I know a little bit about like medicine. Uh, that's probably like a a good four to six month recovery time. Mm-hmm. Uh, could. Hopefully it's more in like the four month range. I mean, he is like a professional athlete, so I think, he's in good sh- he's in good shape. So hopefully it's like on the lesser side. But. I think it's like I think those kind of injuries is like because people always quote and they get they do this in pro sports and it drives me nuts is people will quote like when they're allowed to start rehabbing like that's their mm-hmm. injury length. It's like no dumbass like no the, the rehab is part of the injury. So I think with that it's probably two months. Until he can start rehabbing, and then another two to four months of, of yeah. rehab to get himself. That sounds about right. It, it he, the, from the X-rays that I saw online, it did not seem uh, terrible. So uh, the rod is the surgical hardware is just basically to to stabilize it yeah. while the bone heals. Uh, and I it would not surprise me if down the road he's that that'll come out. Usually, usually like surgical hardware like that comes out after a time. It it was either, it was either depending on what rumors you believe, it was either really okay timing for him or really bad timing to get hurt. <laughs> well, he should, I guess, based on well, based on what we're going to talk about, he's still under contract for a couple months, and <laughs> so he, he can. Hopefully oh, I thought um, there was that rumor going around that um, the AEW swooped in and. It came to an agreement with Sinclair to procure um, several names. Yeah, I, I still have not heard anything about that. And people, I saw that rumor and people were not debunking it, but kind of were going like fake. And then I've never heard anything else about it. But yeah, I would not be surprised if certain people. Those are the guys are the rumors yeah, I would, are the guys mm-hmm. who I would take. And I know I know the mm-hmm. second their contracts are up, like Roosh and Bandito and Dragon Lee are gonna end up in AEW because I, I mean, yeah. Roosh and Dragon Lee are related to Andrade. I'm pretty sure. Are they in, like related by by blood? I don't know. Way? I think they're cousins. 
Okay. I'm not sure of that, though. I, I saw that, too, and I wasn't sure like exactly how the, the actual lineage goes, but um, I would not surprise me if some people like Dan Housen were to get snatched up and sooner rather than later because he he definitely has a following, and he's a really entertaining guy. I don't really know how he'd fit with AEW. I think, I think well. if I was a... <laughs> If I was AEW, I would use him as a low-end guy that does dark and stuff, but he's popular and you can put in segments and who is going to push merch for you because I think that's where his strengths are. Because, I mean, Danhausen is not a bad wrestler, but he's not, like, a particularly great or memorable wrestler. Like, he's really more of a personality he's, than a wrestler. He's adequate. Yeah, he's, yeah, he is. He's adequate. He's more of – he's it's a gimmick, and he's more of, like, a – He's more of an entertaining aspect of things. Yeah, but he's, he's with with that though. He is he's not like amazing, but he's good enough that the in ring doesn't ruin it. Yeah, and he could. I just said I don't know how they're going to use him, but I guess actually I can envision ways to use him. Like you could have him be part of a tag team with someone, where he's more of like the wacky guy, and the tag the tag partners maybe like a little more like straight straight laced. You could have him. The one way I would actually probably use him is that have him do kind of like the old like I'm gonna use like this way like the Jer like Jericho used to do like a talk show type of segment. You also had like yeah. Miz, Miz, Miz TV back in the day. Of course, you would have Piper's Pit stuff like that, where it's like a almost like an interview thing or something. You could use him in that fashion. He has good have rapport him. with guys like Lance Archer and stuff, and even um. I mean, he just did a shirt, but his stuff with MJF is is, is hilarious. Yeah. So uh, I think he's well before liked. guys before before we dive that deep, let's mm-hmm. go ahead and get our shout outs taken care mm-hmm. of real quick, okay? <laughs> I'm sorry. No I don't want to give the whole thing away before we even get the shout outs done, right? Uh, first one, we're going to go to Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand, collarandelbowbrand.com. Use the promo code Four Corners Podcast. That's number four, capital C, Corners, capital P, and podcast. Save 10% off your order. They have a new Waffle House style shirt, smothered, covered, and brothered. 20 bucks. Use our promo code. Save 10% off. Bada bing. There you go. We pass the ball to Matt. Uh, yeah, our other shout-out would go to Orlando Cologne, a man who is always with honor, Chad. With always <laughs> with honor. So let's let's do a little quick framing before we go back into our discussion. Damn curse strikes again. <laughs> curse! Curse! I actually I, I tried to find like an audio clip of the mummy from Aquatine Hunger Force, but I couldn't quite get it. Aquatine's surprisingly hard to get like good, just like yeah. little clips of, because even like some of the Carl stuff. Don't need no instructions to know how to rock. rock. It so, don't matter. None of this matters. <laughs> hey, Fryman, um, we're doing all of the. <laughs> we're we're saying all this because. The day after we recorded, the <laughs> day the morning, after, it didn't even the morning after we recorded, so we didn't even make it 12 hours. No, we didn't. The announcement comes out that Ring of Honor has ended their contract with all their active wrestlers and is going to suspend operations until supposedly like spring of next year. And so then they just have people on per appearance basis. But that's all smells bad because they're selling they're 
they're offering to sell up their video library. So but, yeah, and it's Ring not... of Honor is now Ring of Goner. Um, well, and I was just... thinking today because I was I, I was I was thinking today about that idea, and I was trying to think if a wrestling promotion has ever gone dark for a while, other than Chikara. Chikara, but that did not work out well for them. No. And ever came, and I'm talking, and and that was a small time thing with like a very devoted fan base. But I was trying to think of if like a major promotion has ever done that and survived, and I can't think of any. No. I, well, the rumor. Well, I don't know if it's rumor. I think this is something that like Sinclair is telling people. They, they allegedly they swear they're coming back in April, mm. and it's it's po- it's certainly <clears throat> possible because. Sinclair owns Ring of Honor, and they, yeah. they own multiple they own multiple TV sh- uh, stations. So it's not like it's not like Ring of Honor the show got canceled. That's something that like Dave Meltzer has talked about. Like the show has not been canceled. Well, I mean they have they uh, could they could they could they could just run reruns for a decade and never. Well, that they allegedly are supposed to be they're going to be doing that. They're either running reruns uh, throughout the remainder of throughout a part of December and and allegedly through the early part but uh the the uh, what's going to happen is that when they come back in april what they're the format they're going to be doing is that they're going to be moving forward with non-contracted talent which i feel is highly problematic well i think um i think i think what they saw during the pure tournament and which other people said is with the amount of airtime they have a much more constrained roster works better for them okay but because like because if you look at their roster like now it is bloated and it's been bloated the entire time they've been on sinclair because they're always like in that 40 guy range and it's Mm -hmm. like you have an hour of tv a week and like quarterly pay-per-view you do not need that many guys under contract like you can literally watch roh tv and go months without seeing guys that's very true. And it, um, it's, yeah, I think um, I think their idea works on paper. I don't know if I would go totally in non-contract because um, <clears throat> that's a good way to get your champions poached. I think yeah, what I would yeah. do is come back with like ten guys under contract, and then have like a rotating cast around them. Yeah, I would have certain. I would have at least a few guys under contract. But if they really, really are focused on not signing guys to at least long-term contracts, then sign guys to like limited contracts, three months, mm-hmm. six months, something. Guys at least that you know. Excuse me, that you're gonna push to to the top or push to put like a title on. Guys that you are gonna actually. I, have a somewhat long-term plans and my long-term i don't mean like multi-year per se but at least like three to six months sign those guys to like a contract that could be a contract of that length where it's like hey we have plans for you we're gonna put the title on you uh we want you for six months and then then make a deal people will probably make a deal so long as the the contract's good i don't know i i it's interesting i think it obviously is that sort of format is working uh for companies like game changer wrestling i don't i don't think they have anyone per se under contracts i mean the game changer wrestler guys like are literally everywhere they're in yeah. shows they do all sorts of stuff so i think it can 
can in theory work. Yeah, but, but the problem is, is Ring of Honor can't draw like Game Changer can. Well, I think that's where if if it if it does come back, it would not surprise me if what you're going to see is is kind of like Ring of Honor trying to not say poach Game Changer, but effectively emulate it. I don't know if that, that means like you know deathmatch wrestling. Ooh. But I could see, I could see it clearly emulate what Game Changer's doing. You know, the and problem. Actually, I, hmm? I was gonna say the problem I have there though is, and it's a problem ROH has had the for a long time is you would have to hire some really creative people to think outside of the box, and if you're gonna leave Joe Coff around, you're not gonna get that. Yeah. You're gonna get cosplaying territory wrestling, and like storylines no one wants, and all that garbage and letting like you know an obviously burnout booker that's done a bad job in place for what five years past when their their sell-by date had expired it's unfortunate because oddly ring of honor it seems to me and I might be wrong here, but it seems to me that Ring of Honor's place hasn't exactly changed that kind of just barely under the radar kind of like if you know if you know what you're looking for, you can find them pretty easy and you know, you can see some names you know on it, but not the problem is in recent years other places have shown up and and been um you know, been uh more popular. So while they- they it have not navigated. Um, they have not navigated the changing landscape of um, of wrestling very well, and they kind no. of squandered what they had. Like, they had a partnership with New Japan. All they did was make New Japan more popular in the states. They had the elite, <laughs> um, and that helped the elite form AEW. And then yeah. you know, while all that's going on, they haven't really cultivated a lot of talent. And then you have companies of similar size like Impact and MLW kind of getting it together and surpassing them in a lot of ways on the creative side and like filling a niche and drawing better mm-hmm. than them. And they kind yeah. of yeah. found themselves, thanks to AEW, in this um, era where there is a number two promotion now and it is national and it draws very well. So if you're this kind of like middling, um, middling national promotion, you have to find your voice and you have to find it quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they really haven't uh, no, very and, much. And they have some guys I really like on their roster, but they don't use them well, like Jonathan Gresham. Mm-hmm. And um, even like... And you can like, but even things like when they signed PCO, like his mm-hmm. buzz just died. Like people just stopped talking about him. They, I felt like the first few months they used him decently and they even put the title on him, which I actually, I think was the right call. Cause he would only, he only had it like a month or two and there was, there was buzz around him at the time. I, I do feel like it was a smart move, but then after that, yeah, like it, his buzz kind of died. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think the rumor, or at least the expectation, is that he is actually going to go to to Impact, which I actually think would be a fantastic place for him because I think, with their weird um, <laughs> menagerie of people there, I think he would fit right in. 
Yeah. You could have him do stuff if you want to. If you want to have him continue, be like this, you know, crazy character. You could have him easily be doing stuff with uh, Island by Design, or um, meet, have them have him join up with Decay. Like, there's a lot of stuff you could actually do with PCO. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think I actually think I think the current version of the NWA shares a lot of problems Ring of Honor had. Mm-hmm. They feel very similar in their struggles. Yeah. Uh, at least, at least Ring of Honor had had a roster that was that they could actually work with. They didn't book them for anything. But to me, like that's that's one thing that really the NWA has struggled with is actually finding a very a, a good roster, a competent roster. Uh, it, it, I mean, there's no it's it's 2021, almost 2022. Yeah. Uh, there's no, absolutely no reason why you should have uh, Tyrus oh, yeah. wrestling hmm. or putting titles on him or anything like that. He should not be a featured character at all. At no. all. It's, they, it feels like that they, you know, they just had the whole issue of, of they had a roster going and then when everything got shut down, they lost so many people, mm-hmm. like just so fast. And the the people that they lost, it's not really a shock that they lost them, but they, you know, mm-hmm. they lost like their standouts. You know, it's Thunder Rosa being a, a great example. It's like, well, yeah, of course she's gonna she's gonna go to AEW because why wouldn't she? But um, you know what that time period of just losing everyone in what looked during their downtime in one fell swoop is they had almost no identity at all anymore. Mm-hmm. They had uh, Nick Aldis and Trevor Murdoch and that was really about it. So it's like, well, what do we do now? It's like, yeah, that's a good question. What do you do now? But I think that they're, they're still hanging on because it's easy to find stuff NWA stuff, it's easy to find and watch it, you know, as opposed to Ring of Honor is not quite so easy to do. Well, and Ring of Honor's TV has a lot of structural problems. I don't know about you guys, but I think the 10 years they were on Sinclair, I made, I probably made an annual, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to finally like stick with ROH TV. And I made it, I made it four months one time before I bounced off of it. Because, well, the the problem is, and I don't know how much, how much ROH TV did you guys watch on, like, Sinclair? Not in a long time. And I actually, I actually get it uh, in my area. Um, It would come on at, like, a really weird time. I want to say, like, maybe, like, 1 a.m. on a Saturday night, technically Sunday morning. Uh, And I could DVR it, but I just never did. I get it on two um, channels here, actually. And I, <laughs> I get it on my broadcast antenna at like 3.30 p.m. on a Sunday. Yeah, yeah, we get it at like 4 p.m. and then we get it like at 1 a.m. It's like, well, I'm not um, – I'm not – that that's really an awkward time, and Ring of Honor doesn't have enough draw to get me to watch it consistently, so I well, just didn't watch. The problem is, is like they never they – never, could like figure pay-per-views into their TV taping schedule well. Right. Because like what would happen is you'd hit a pay-per-view 
and then you'd have to wait for a taping cycle to go through before those storylines would actually start creeping their way onto the television. And like, mm-hmm. if you watch the show, then you'd have to wait a month to like actually get fallout from it. It was really stupid. And you could always tell when they were at the end of like a taping because you would get like some super lazy like episodes. Like you get like an elimination tag that lasted like the whole show. And you could just tell like, oh, you guys phoned this in because this is like the fifth episode on a taping because the crowd's, right. crowd's like so burnt they're not reacting and all that stuff. I remember the last time I remember watching it. And this is how far back it was. Uh, or maybe not. I'm not sure. But Jay Lethal was the TV champion. And they had... And I like Jay Lethal, too. But it was like every commercial break had two commercials of Jay Lethal. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, was, he selling, was he selling the um, the old people, like, knee brace thing? Yes. And a knee brace, just like the one I'm wearing now. And it, that was... It was Almost as bad as there was an episode back when it was ECW on TNN where literally every commercial of every commercial break was the Kevin Nash Monster Truck Madness commercial. I don't know if you guys ever saw that. I saw that live and I kept watching the entire show, not because I really cared about what was going on on ECW, but my thought was it can't be literally every commercial for this hour long show cannot be the same commercial over and over again. It can't be. I think they still had him hawking that stupid thing, like well past when the elite were gone. Mm. This is a, almost like a non sequitur, but there is a, there's a bit that the guy did one time where they kind of talked, not just, not about that ad in particular, but just ads like, on uh, <laughs> public access channels or cable channels for things like the monster truck and how, I guess they were like, you know, they're really janky home, almost like homemade ads, but the yeah. volume control was like way off. <laughs> so it'd be like, you'd have your commercial. It's like, you know, come to McDonald's for a big Mac. And the next one would be like, <laughs> this it's like, what? <laughs> Speakers on your TV would almost blow out because the volume control is like, <laughs> And I feel like that's actually true. Like those, those like old, <laughs> when the ECW access, public access you, channel stuff. You know what used to be terrible for that back in the day was XM radio. Oh. Because you'd have to uh, turn it way up if you were listening to like ONA because their volume was low. And then these commercials would just like blast you. Yeah. Um, God, I hate that. And uh what was i thinking there was the worst thing that i have seen about it lately we have um some like uh, an account that's curated for our kids of youtube stuff so like we we have kind of carefully built what shows up in it and what doesn't because it's like no we we don't we don't have like kids playing with toys is something that shows up in the, but they have that wildly varying volume level in the the ads that pop up. And of course, since the law passed that says you can't specifically target kids on YouTube with like at like kids videos, then there's the side of um it's like, oh, you know, here's this toy, and then you get this blastingly loud one's like 
do you have hemorrhoids? And it's like, oh, well. And then one of my kids goes, what are hemorrhoids? And I go, that's that's a grown-up thing. Don't worry about it. But, you know, they, they there's no mixing, like, at all to it. I'm trying to agree with you. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, um... Yeah, it's it's aggravating. I'm trying to think, um, especially now, like the way they mix shows is really bad. Like we had to get a soundbar because they, because you anymore to actually hear what people are saying on TV, you need a soundbar with a voice channel. Yeah. Because like it's like mumble mumble mumble, then the music like blows your hearing out because you turn mm-hmm. it way up because you can't hear what they're saying. So mm-hmm. if you have that problem. Get like a two hundred and fifty dollar soundbar that has an advertised voice channel because that fixes it. For 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 kicks, um, it was uh, a couple of weeks ago. My wife and I went with some friends and we went to an IMAX showing of Dune, which cool, right? Except our seats put me right under one of the speakers, and my hearing's already kind of messed up. But I'm trying to watch this, and I'm trying to hear, like, they're having some intense dialogue and that sort of stuff. But then I'm having to deal with, deal with like, the music pulling, like, an Inception. It's like, dun! I'm like, Ugh. I can't tell if they're, like, doing the, the, the fear creed here or what they're doing. Oh, never mind. My ears are just going to ring. That's just how it's going to be. Sorry, another non sequitur on my part. <laughs> so I thought we could I thought we could take this back in the past a little bit for Ring of Honor since um, it is a twenty year old promotion. They lasted longer mm-hmm. than ECW, WCW, and a lot of um, storied promotions. So, do you guys remember like the first time you heard of Ring of Honor? Uh, I did. I did not see them until probably they were a few years into their run before I actually really got a chance to see them. Uh, but I did hear about them. This was a period where my interest in wrestling waned a little bit because obviously the WCW, WW, ECW war even was basically over. Yeah. Um, and impact was around, but uh, yeah, they weren't as established. It was weekly and, pay-per-view. So if you didn't it have pay-per-views. Yeah. Um, and it, they weren't as big of a thing as they later become. Yeah. Right. But it, it, there was like a void. There was a void where you had WWE. If you wanted uh, something else, then you didn't really have much. And that was the aughts uh, were kind of like a renaissance period of sorts for for indie promotions. It was it was almost like a rebirth of the territory system. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, you had you had NWA Wildside, um, mm-hmm. the ECWA Super Eight was big there for a couple years. Mm-hmm. Um, what else was big at the time? OVW got a lot of hype at the time. There's yeah. another one that's like right on the tip of my tongue. That well, in the Northeast you had uh, Jersey All Pro Wrestling, you had CZW. In like the Midwest, you had like IWA Mid South. Uh, you had obviously had impact, but uh, when it was just you TNA, had like all those you, NWA promotions. You had like NWA Cyberspace and yeah, NWA Florida uh, and yeah, 
Uh, and most of those didn't really last long or didn't become much of anything. But Ring of Honor was trying to do something different. And I felt uh, largely succeeded. They were offering something that was more, if you're uh, an actual wrestling fan, mm-hmm. you know, they, they offered that for you. Not just, you, you want you want more than the sports entertainment like this. We'll give that to you. Well, less sports entertainment, more actually like, you know, pure wrestling. Uh, and they they were smart because a lot of the guys that, that were pushed early on, they give, uh, a, I say a platform to, but more like a, they focused on were guys like Brian Danielson, Loki, even though I wasn't, we have our thoughts on Loki. Paul uh, London. Yeah, Paul London. Fish, yeah. Christopher Danielson. You know, a lot of guys. Joe. Spanky. Joe, obviously Joe. Joe was tremendously successful there. Yeah, uh, all those guys, and they were got they were heavily pushed, and the the, the whole promotion kind of took off. Um, you guys want to jump in? That's well, yeah. I'm, well, I mean, you're doing you're doing a good job. It's it's this weird weird place where I feel like there was even not just like WCW and ECW going away, but this was. Mm-hmm. I think Ring of Honor started in '02, and this was after the Invasion storyline. Just, I mean, massively shit the bed. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, so they ran first in like February of 2002, I believe. Yeah, and uh, so they they start, you know, they start doing this, and they're starting to experiment and and people in and. Um, and so we have the, you know, we have, I, I still somewhere have the DVD from their first show, but we have their first, um, oh, did you have you know, the takedown masters ones that they like released in stores that <clears throat> bombed horribly? It was in stores. I don't know if it was takedown masters. It was like this, it was a very nineties, like red and black cover. Yeah, it was takedown masters. Cause okay. they, they cut a couple things off, but they were, they are more affordable, and I think they did that for like the first four or five shows, and they did not do particularly well. Right, I, I know because I got it out of a bargain bin, but um, you know, I got that and I watched it, and there were some people that was doing some cool stuff that I liked. I'm like, okay, this is cool, um, and so they're they're kind of stepping up and providing some stuff that nobody else was, and so in those early 2000s, the the my awareness of Ring of Honor, this is so nerdy, flourished because I was very actively e-fetting at the time, and people I was on rosters with were passing stuff along. So, you know, I watched that first show, and I'm like, okay, I'm liking this American Dragon. I like Danielson. Um, I Even at that point, I didn't like Loki. From the very first show I saw him on the Ring of Honor very first show, I didn't like him on that. Um, I like him a lot less now. That's that's what I consider Ring of Honor's biggest uh, biggest sin was giving Loki like their first big popular platform. They they never did make amends and for that. I would say I would say that the Xavier title run was really bad because I I mean I might not like Loki, but I can understand like he had a lot of buzz in that era, and he was like that was probably the logical choice for your first champion, and and then like having him lose it to Xavier who pretty much no one gave a crap about was like a bad booking choice. My understanding was that they were trying to use the title to make Xavier into another big name for them, but it wasn't built up enough to do that. 
Well, no, and he so, and he had not really been built up because he was having like this back and forth program with like Scoot Andrews, and they had really done very little to make you think of him as a star. Okay. And um, he really wasn't that good or charismatic. Right. So their biggest sin is giving Loki a platform, but what I consider their their greatest contribution is giving Joe the big platform they gave him. So I guess I'll let it skate. Um, but I, I'm I'm doing e-fetting stuff, and I've I'm talking with a friend of mine, and I told him I was like, yeah, I'm you know I'm really digging on stuff I've seen out of Samoa Joe, and he's like. Oh, have you seen his his Iron Man matches? And I'm like, uh, no. And it's like, well, or it wasn't Iron Man match. It was his hour long matches. I'm like, no. He goes, yeah, he had these uh, hour long matches with uh, CM Punk. And I'm like, who? And it's like, well, it's this guy named CM Punk. And I'm like, oh, okay. He sent me. I don't remember if he sent me links to them or sent me files because this was pre YouTube. But he sends it to me, and I, there are these three hour-long matches that I watch where I just enjoyed watching Joe smack CM Punk around for half the match. And then I watched Punk do stuff. It, Punk has Punk's ring style has never really fit for me, and it's it's just one of those things. It's not my taste, but We've I'll talked about this Punk and, is yeah. that he um – he has very little to no athletic ability, so um, he kind of has two left feet in there, and he's he has good matches, but I would never say his execution is well done. Right, but I get to see Joe have these, you know, I get to see Samoa Joe be this rockin' beast, and I'm, I'm I've been on board ever since. Um, so that's that. It came through the E-Fed grapevine has kept me supplied with Ring of Honor stuff. And then there was, I think it was 2005 or 2006. I don't remember precisely, but they had this hype video of everybody who was on the roster that started off with the the soundtrack to it. Initially, was what had been Paul London's music. It was the it was from Kill Bill. It was called the Battle Without Honor or Humanity. And it started off by like kind of showcasing, and it had Colt Cabana in it, and it had Loki, and it had Homicide, and it had Joe, and it had AJ Styles and Jimmy Rave, uh, and um, Roderick Strong, and Alex Shelley, and uh, Christopher Daniels, and Punk was in there too. And it was it was this really excellent video that not only like presented everybody but had really good clips selected for you know this is this is the kind of stuff you you can expect out of this person i thought it was very well done and i don't think they ever recaptured it but now i would say their production even to today has been shoddy at best it's it's always been kind of like Poor compared to the level of that they were at at least at one point because in at least in like the aughts and even like into the the the, the teens they they were kind of more big league but it never really kind of improved the way that it should be no because mm-hmm. you could watch something like even even when 
in the late like 2000s like you could watch something like chikara or like cwf mid-atlantic and even i'd even argue iwa mid-south sometimes like just looked better like the way they were shot and stuff this might not be comparable because i I don't know what their financial situation is uh they may be doing quite well but uh tokyo like joshi pro wrestling in japan just recently did as a joshi fed they recently just did they had a big show in in early october and not only did that look fantastic but the production values were like 10 times better than anything that I probably ever saw at a Ring of Honor. I mean, even crappy <laughs> Japanese indie feds that tend to look good. This, uh, this, this Joshi pay-per-view, if, if you just like put this in front of someone, and granted this is like one of their bigger shows, but if you just put this in front of someone, they would think that it's like the WWE producing it, or AEW at least, some, somebody with like really good production values and money to throw behind it. I think it's and maybe they did have company maybe they did have them. money. Well, that, okay, that made that would make a lot of sense. I'm not presuming that they don't have, you know, money or effort to put into it, but it's like this is like a like a Joshi fed that it's it makes money, it's a good thing, but it's not like for the time Ring of Honor at one point you could make the serious argument that at least in North America, at least American American wrestling, they were probably mm-hmm. like number two. And it just never really like they ne- they just never really kind of did much with it in right. terms of the production values. Like not as good. It was not as good as it should have been. No. By the way, I found the video. I was t- it's on YouTube as Ring of Honor Welcome 2005. Mm. Okay. So it, you got to understand that in looking at it, yeah, it's a little grainy, but that was that was web video at the time, and um, it's. Uh, it's still a really good introduction to what they had as a company. So um, you're right. You know, Ring of Honor was the number two promotion nationally in North America, and they just kind of coasted on that. It's like, oh, you know, people will tell each other about Ring of Honor, and they never really did anything to kind of capitalize on it. You know, it's actually sad going back to their production values is the best their promotion ever looked is when they had that HD net show and HD net did all the production for them. Mm. Because HD net knew what they were doing. Yeah, exactly. But I think I followed them. I actually had, I think up until 2006, I had about every DVD they released, but then Mm. they just started running like way too many shows for a company that subsists off DVD sales. Yeah. Because I think, I think there was points like towards like 2007 and 2008 where they were running six to eight shows a month. Mm-hmm. Mm. And the the other problem they had, and they still have, is especially when they started branching out into like those those pay per views and and TV and stuff. Like you would always run into this stuff where the live shows. And the TV or the pay-per-views had different storylines. There was always this, like, parallel universe problem that ROH (laughs) had. Yeah. And um, and that lasted into the Sinclair era. Right. Bad. Actually, I think that that probably was still an issue towards the end. But, uh, well, they weren't running live shows, so they caught that up. But, yeah, so they, they... that was a singular problem they had that I don't understand why they could never get away from that. And I think yeah. there was even a point like when they were 
doing the HD net show, they might have still been tinkering with those like direct release pay per views that bombed horribly. So there might have even oh. been like a triple universe thing for a while. Hmm. Okay. But yeah, so they they had a lot of they had a lot of questionable booking choices there. Right. Well, is is that uh, during the time or after the time that Dave Sapolsky, Gabe Sapolsky, was booking for them? I think the, the like the the pay per views they tried to do in like the regular pay per view market was a Gabe thing. So I think that's okay. what got him fired. Okay. It's weird because, like, what I remember. So grain of salt on that, but what I remember was that. Like Gabe would did a lot of stuff pretty well, but then also screwed up some big stuff. Uh-huh. Well, and so, so um, I think his biggest crime is, and I know Matt's probably gonna agree with this, is they horribly botched Nigel McGinnis and jobbed him about two times too many in title matches before giving him the belt, uh-huh. and they really hampered him really badly. But they also were trying to grow. And as we saw from Evolve, like, Gabe's just not going to get you there. Mm. Gabe can do a good job if you're staying at the level you're at. Am I understanding correctly? Pretty much. He can get you okay. to a certain level, but he doesn't know how to, like, grow the brand. Because if you go back to Evolve, I don't actually know how they made any money because, like, their social media engagement was terrible. Like, they never they never offered their shows in an affordable manner. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But then, like, so they, they jobbed Nigel McGinnis too much. Um, Seth Rollins is Tyler Black. They did the same thing to him. Um, Danielson got away with it because, you know, he was fairly bulletproof. But even, He's like... just so damn good. Mm-hmm. Even then. But they did stuff like putting the belt on Morishima, I thought, was kind of a bad move. Okay. I don't... I didn't hate that only because there that there was a period of time there where like competent Japanese wrestlers, if you put them in the environment like in in a place like Ring of Honor, I think it was a smart move. And Morishima at that time was good. Uh, it kind of all fell apart for Morishima after the fact, but I didn't think that was the worst idea. Um, but we can, you can say like, well, it didn't, it didn't ultimately like pan out that I, well. I went, I, I went to have like problem uh, with it. I think the problem I had was he had like an eight month title run. Yeah, he had a long run, uh, and it's different back then. But even back then, it's like if you can't, if you, if you, if you're not gonna have a guy, you can kind of consistently defend the title for you, mm-hmm. because he's literally he lives in a completely opposite end of the of the the world then maybe don't have him have a title reign that long you can put the title on him for like a brief period if he's going to be let's say like he comes over and he's going to be doing an excursion where he's wrestling uh over the summer for your your the your you know your promotion then you can get away with that you can have like a short-term championship but don't be like you know he wins the title and he goes back to japan and then yeah and then like eight months later is when you finally have him drop it like I, I can appreciate you wanting a title to not be hot shotted, but still, you gotta be you gotta be a little smart with it. Right, right. 
I don't I don't love the idea of like a short reign for just someone like putting the title on someone. I don't, nobody did that with Minoru Suzuki whenever you know he had his recent you know trip through the states. He just kind of came in and and you know punched people in the face a bunch. Well, but, the uh, problem they ran into too um, is his booking got kind of obvious because I because people people will get upset about hot potatoing a belt for a while. And mm-hmm. my argument to that has always been you need to do that sometimes to keep the crowd honest. You don't want the crowd to think, oh, that guy won the belt. I'll see you in a year when it's time for him to drop it. Yeah. And um, Cause, yeah, because if it's too predictable, like there's there's a difference between like AEW building to someone winning is one thing. But then if it's if it's a formula, it's like, OK, it's been this long it's time for someone to win the title. Who's having the program. This guy's going to win the title here. Yeah. And with ROH, they had like short reigns, but you could always tell when there was a short reign, you would all like the second, the guy won it, you'd be like, Oh, he's only going to have it for like a month. Yeah. And then the next guy went like, Oh, that guy's going to have it for a year. And so they kind of had some problem with it being predictable there. And they Mm -hmm. got pretty predictable on who was going to win the belt. Yeah. So I th- it, like especially especially if if crowds know like start figuring that out like that's when you start running into to problems. Right, right. Well, because there's at best you have people who are if they know what it is and they care about being involved, that's great. But then they're, so they're only tuning in for this stuff that they're they're looking for right like they're not they're not tuning in for everything they're just tuning in when they're like oh this is when the title change is going to be and then so you don't have the consistent crowd and if people start doing that then they're going to watch less and less and less it's going to taper off so uh, it it, it, not it not a good plan and I think I think for as far as like the making money thing, and I think Cornette's talked about this is they just put way too many people on the roster. Because mm. then what are you what are you paying people for? Like not not to be not to be difficult, but if you're putting these people on your roster on contracts, what are you paying them for? Is it just – are you do, going the Bischoff route of just keeping them out of the hands of other people? Or we're paying you in case we want to use you. But I think I think Matt talked about that. I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast because I'm, I'm shaky on the time frame of where our show started in relation to everything. But he talked about the New Orleans <laughs> ROH Mania weekend and, like, getting out at, yeah, like, 1 a.m. I did. And, this uh that was I, some of these wrestlemanias blur together for me i think that was wrestlemania what 34 uh let me look that up really quickly that was the one that was the most recent one that was in new orleans and let me look it up really. uh yeah that was wrestlemania 34 in uh in new orleans at the mercedes-benz superdome and that weekend of course because all the different like Indian independent promotions try to do shows uh, around WrestleMania weekend because why not? There's thousands of wrestling fans that are in those towns. It's easy money to make to put on a show, even if you put on like a small show, but you sell out like 2,000 people. Like it's good money in your pocket. Um, 
there was the Ring of Honor show that happened that Saturday night. I chose to go to that over I think it was the I think it was running against the Hall of Fame, the WWE Hall of Fame. Because the, I believe the night before Is that accurate or they may have been running against NXT? The, I know game but, I know the I know the Joey Janela's spring break was like three AM that night. Oh well that it was like three it was like three AM I think like the Friday night going into Saturday morning. Ooh. And because I knew people who went to that show, and they were walk, they they that show ended like three or four in the morning, <laughs> and those dudes got they probably were running on like a couple hours sleep because you would see them they looked like zombies they were like <laughs> they were hurting they were yeah. really hurting they were like walking around like punch drunk, but that show was it had the elite on it, uh-huh. uh, I think. See. Didn't they pull Look the, the massive no no of they put they put the match everyone was there for on second to last and then put their title match on last and like the crowd yes. just left or died? Mm. Yeah, it was okay. It was a super ca- super card of honor and the match that everyone was really looking forward to was Cody versus Kenny Omega, which was a very good match. It went almost forty minutes. Wow, I don't remember it being that long, but it, it went almost 40 minutes, and the final match was Dalton Castle versus uh, Marty Skrull, which went a little over 30 minutes, which that was a good match, and arguably they probably should have put the title on Marty Skrull at that time. But, but by it was a good show. I remember it being a good show. Um, but by the time it was over with, I, I was everyone was just like done. Because it went yeah. like it went on like four or five. It went on at least like four hours. Maybe maybe actually with the pre-shows it probably was like five hours. Because I, I want to say it started like seven that, and we didn't get out of there until like midnight. That was a That's, cardinal sin um, they committed every time I went to the shows, which was it would be like a four and a half hour show, and then after making you sit there for like four hours, they want you to pay attention to like a forty-five minute main event. And it's just like guys like like yeah, I can't I. Like yeah. my my butt like hurts so bad from this like folding chair like all I can think about is how much my back hurts right now can you can you just not and it's that's yeah. a long ass show when I'm sitting at home in my recliner watching it yeah I I I really do feel maybe it's just me becoming an old man but I really do feel like if a, a live pay per view show or a live wrestling show something like that four hours cap it at four hours. No, no I'm, I'm no. I I will tell you the best show I ever went to was Chikara in and out in two and a half hours. Like that's, you should never. That's reasonable too. I I would say for a smaller show like a couple hours is is perfectly fine. Uh, there's there was plenty of NXT takeover shows that were only two hours that I saw and I thought it was great. You could pace it well, but those matches only th- those shows only had like five matches total. So. You were able to do that, and even have like longish matches. Like if you have a five, a five match show in two hours, you can every match can at least have like twenty minutes. Yeah, and I mean, I think if you're gonna go four hours, you need that needs to be like WrestleMania. That needs to be a massive show. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I don't think every every random show should be four hours, but I would say four hours should be like the max. And really, the sweet spot, if you're gonna do like a, a bigger show, but not you know your marquee shows then only do like four hours if if like AEW has limited pay-per-view shows uh 
if they want to do a three-hour pay-per-view but an hour of you know pre-show to me like that's acceptable but beyond that like no it's it it really like i start getting fatigued and so by the light the last matches especially the main event i'm just tired that was the problem with uh with wrestlemania 35 in new york that it was like eight hours long it's like i was falling asleep the last match and it's not because i was disinterested it's just like i was fatigued like i i I needed like a nap yeah i mean you should not have to you should not have to decide which match you're going to miss so that you can go and have a meal because you're going to need a meal right well especially after eight hours it's like maybe i need a meal maybe my blood sugar is like yeah (laughs) dropping low nobody nobody is excited by the prospect of being in an arena for eight hours and then having the debate with themselves of when am I going to go and try and take this dump that I know I'm going to have to take? Cause nobody wants to do that in an arena bathroom. But if no. you're there for that long, that, that, that thought's probably going to occur. Well, no, and the worst part is the worst part is you have to think, okay, which match do I care about the least? that's going to have the fewest people trying to go to the bathroom. So I can at least like, get in with the fewest amount of people in there to listen to this badness I'm about to inflict on. And it's probably a match you want to see. Yeah. Cause so, it's like, it's yeah. like, I can't go, I can't go during like the Carmella match in hour five because that's when everyone's going to go like, so yeah. You By should, the way, if it was a if, WWE show, I would just go during the Miz thing and I would just call. I'm going to go take a Miz. I'll be right back. <laughs> if you if you want to play a fun game watching a big wrestling show sometime, what I want you to do whenever it does crowd shots is look for somebody who's there in a tracksuit, because those are indie guys who have their gear on underneath the tracksuit thinking Maybe, just maybe, something will happen and they'll need someone to fill a spot and it'll be my chance. And you see those kind of marks in the crowd at WrestleMania even. Can I ask a question? Yeah. Like, okay, I can understand. I can understand if you were – and I'm just going to use his name because he's at a convention that Shad and I are going to this coming weekend. I can understand if you're going to AEW and you're Chance Profit and doing that. Because and someone, because you, it's reasonable. With, someone could know who you are. Yeah, you could know. No, someone could know with you. Could could know who you are. You probably worked with some of them because of the guys AEW's hired. If your chance profit in doing that in WWE, it's a little like, eh, you're mm-hmm. reaching, dude. But if you're if you're Joe Blow from your local, um, jerk off pro wrestling, like no one knows who you are at the. It it's even, not like they're going to wade into the crowd and be like, is anybody here a trained wrestler? Yeah. We have us a slot that might need a fill-in. You know, the it's like you're not even going to go to – you're not even going to go to Impact and have someone. No. Not even – look, the only time it happened to me, there was a show that was not far from me that I knew some folks on, and I thought, well, I'll go up there. It's a different company. At worst, I've driven up there to meet some folks, talk with some people, make some new connections, and I'll watch a show and see how my friends do. At best, they'll be like, hey, we need you to fill a slot on the card. I drove up there. Here's what I did. I just kept my bag in my car, and I get up there, and someone and like, hey, dude, how you doing? I'm good. How you doing? They're like, 
did you bring your gear with you? I was like, what's up? And they're like, someone no-showed, and they need to fill a spot. And I'm like, it's in the car. He goes, go get your stuff. Like, But it's not like I showed up wearing a tracksuit being like, I'm ready to just like whip my clothes off and go, look, I am ready to wrestle. What kind of dumbass mark are you to yeah, do you, that? Right? You, you went to a promotion that was either on the level you were competing in or a level above with people on the show you knew. Like you were more like Yeah, yeah exactly. You were more like chance profit wandering to a dark taping hoping for the best. Yeah, uh, and at worst you get to see a show that some of your buddies are on. Yeah, cuz like 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 in, in the example like so let's say you're chance profit and you go down to Orlando and someone like someone that you know in the crowd's like, "Hey, like you want a job to someone?" Like I could see, you know, that that's a reasonable yeah. That is a reasonable, for someone of his level, that is a reasonable assumption like, to make. I know you. I know you know what you're doing. I don't have a problem being like, hey, you know, we, we need a fall guy. You know, are you are you up for that? And be like, yeah, sure, I'm up for that. As opposed to, like, people in the crowd at WrestleMania wearing track suits. Once you, once you pick some of them out, you're just going to laugh. But it, it happens. If you if you ever want a fun game, there you go. That's a big wrestling show. Look for people in tracksuits. That's just delusional. It's hilarious because it's like, how can I? That was a conversation I actually had with Alex Angel. And, and he and I laughed and laughed. And it's like, no, dipshit. It's WrestleMania. Literally, the entire roster is there. If they have a spot they need filled, they've got people to do it. It ain't going to be well, – pro- Steve Lombardi's probably in the back. Well, sh- like Sean Waltman is probably in the back and possibly sober. Like you're not getting a spot. You, you know what? I, my understanding is Sean Waltman's doing pretty good on that front. So, you know, more yeah. power to but him. I, but... I mean, just saying like that there's all sorts of legends. Like, you know what? Like Coco Beware probably just got into the Hall of Fame, and I bet he's up for working a couple of minutes. Like, no, you're not getting a spot. It's like, yeah, it's like, hey, we've got a battle royal spot that needs to be filled. And it's like, hey, Coco, you'd be willing to go out there and just brawl a little bit? Yeah, sure, I'd be willing to do that. No big deal. But it, it's <laughs> sorry, I, I know I'd kind of derailed this with that, but it's a fun game if you ever feel. No, that that's um that's funny. quite fascinating how someone thinks that's actually a possibility. That's just <laughs> right. Oh God. So one thing that uh, going back to Ring of Honor, one thing that um, strikes me that was kind of a downfall for them that plays into what you're talking about with the show link. Is it seems like that nobody they well I shouldn't say that it seems like that there were lots of cases of people having long ass matches mm-hmm. basically so they could just do the oh god look how good I am you know I'm gonna put on a five star classic and and that sort of stuff when it's like dude you know you are doing the exact same spots that the two matches before you did. And and I I I am too tired, especially it's one o'clock in the morning. The show's been going on for two and a half hours already. I am too tired to give one hot damn about you guys doing the the arm ringer reversal spot that's got the the front roll and the cartwheel in it again. 
I think they, um, I will defend them on that. I think they got better about that during the Sinclair era of actually having reasonable match times okay. up and down the card. Like, you would run into, like I said, like, it had been a long show and the main event's long, but you wouldn't get, like, you wouldn't get, like, two mid-carders having, like, a 28-minute wank fest in the middle yeah. of the show. That That's one thing that I will criticize AEW for doing is guys I don't need dramatic near fall in my mid card matches um and just 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 have a match go into the finish I don't need the the dramatic kickouts for it okay just that that's that's tiresome that you know but, I that's um that I blame the WWE for that starting around the angle thing with finisher spam and near fall spam. Um, I actually miss, and they kind of tried to do that in WWE for a while and then they got away from it, but like having guys, hang on, I've got the chant for it. (laughs) Two. Having, having guys. (laughs) No, no. The predictable near fall when they'd go one, two kick out and the crowd would go two. Two. Cause it was always the predictable kick out. I do like um, it's one that they do at indie shows around here a lot. I don't know if they do them around where you are, but when the ref's doing the count out, the crowd fucks with him and he'll be like one, and they'll be like two, and then he'll go two, and then they'll be like three, like to try and like screw his count up. Yes, uh, I've been on shows where they do that. I, that is one I usually get annoyed by crowd chants, but that one I find humorous just because it's like a kind of being cheeky instead of. I've I've dealt with too many people in the crowd that want people to pay attention to to them, so I get I get annoyed by that sort of thing very quickly. It's like no, you're not part of the show, dipshit. Shut up. Um, like the two thing kind of came out of the whole like, oh, we have a bunch of near falls, but we want you to be, you know, on edge for it. It's like no, no, nobody's falling for it, man. Uh, but. Uh, you know, screwing with the ref count or the what chance? God, kill! Oh, I don't you like what? the what chance because they're disruptive. I feel like the, I feel like the count one and why I find that one humorous is because you're not really disrupting anything. You're just kind of having fun. My favorite, honestly, my favorite version of the crowd goofing around with something is whenever they do different counts for like the ten punch in the corner. Mm. So instead of, you know, like when Super Crazy would do it in ECW, they'd go, Uno, Dos, tre-. you know, it's a basic thing, but it's a it's a mix up for it. You know, I, I, I don't know. For some reason that that one amuses me because they're engaged I and they're I, playing along with it. My favorite ECW one, and you would have to go to a house show to see it because I don't think they should on TV much. But if like New Jack <laughs> came out and like broke a bunch of stuff, someone would have to come out and sweep it up and the crowd would chant sweep it up at them while they, <laughs> they had to clean the ring out. Yeah. Which that one was always humorous. Actually, um, it was one when we watched um, Samoa Joe and Necro Butcher, which is one I think needs to come back is when they were like, fuck him up, Joe, fuck him up. Yeah. Like when they would do kind of the, the smarky ones, but they were still like within the realm of. They're still supporting. They're being smarky, but they're supporting one of the guys in the ring. So yeah. you're chanting for them. You're just doing it in a, a more complicated way. And, uh, you know, that means that you're invested. I can live with that. But, um, 
here another funny non sequitur is uh, I was playing a game of Shadowrun last week with uh, some friends of mine, and one of the guys is playing someone who controls robots as part of his gimmick, and he made some kind of crack about it. I don't remember what. And I said, does that mean that you're going to use your remote control van to play natural born killers while you like sweep the giant turret out of the back and start shooting at everybody? And he goes, I could go new Jack on everybody. Couldn't I? I was like, hell yeah, man. And then everybody else at the table just stared at us like we were crazy. Like I imagine the people listening right now are doing. I, um, I was listening <laughs> to part of like a Scorpio shoot and he was talking about some brawl they got in ECW because these mm-hmm. guys jumped um this this group of people jumped like Tammy and Chris. Mm-hmm. And um he said like yeah someone comes to the back and says fight and he says like me and New Jack were like the first ones out the door and I'm like man like those poor assholes don't know what like <laughs> they what they what they what they're in for. <laughs> but he said like it was this huge brawl like the whole locker room just came out there and just started like wailing on these guys. Yeah. You remember, um, this is going to dovetail over to Dark Side of the Ring, but the XPW story, story popped up on there not long ago. And I didn't know much about XPW because I didn't want to know much about XPW. Yeah, but the story of the story of them trying to invade that ECW pay-per-view. Oh, yeah. And, and whoever showed up getting the high holy shit kicked out of them by the ECW guys. <laughs> I don't... I. I don't even remember what the story is about the guys that led the charge on that was. It was, uh, um, it, the problem is, is that I remember when that happened at the time and it actually seemed like what they did was fairly innocuous and the ECW guys like totally overreacted from live crowd reports. But you know, it's hard to say with that stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Can I mention something? That Go for it. The whole you bring up XPW kind of just uh, crossed my mind. One thing that I thought was really successful in the Ring of Honor was you guys remember they did a feud in the mid 2000s with uh, CZW. That was probably yes. their creative height, if you ask me. It, it I should I would agree with that. It probably it probably was. Um, and you had you know you had uh, CZW guys. Invade, Ring of Honor, Invasion Angles. We really probably should. And we talked about it with Tim on his in his uh, YouTube show, but we should probably like maybe talk a little more in our show about Invasion Angles because I feel like if an Invasion Angle is done right or at least mm-hmm. uh, competently or intelligently, I feel it it almost like it always works. Like it, it, it works on some level. But there was the there was a CZW invasion. They had that sparked a feud with with Ring of Honor, and I think. There's a Didn't cage of rage. Yeah, it culminated in, like Cage of Death, where it was a uh, team Ring of Honor versus uh, versus uh, CCW. And I think was, even someone um, turned on Team ROH in the match too. I don't remember who it was though. It wasn't Danielson, uh, was it? I don't think so. Was this the one where? Um, uh, team CCW was led by Mick Foley and Team ROH was led by Ricky Steamboat? Yes. Okay, yeah, I think so. Because it was Ring of Hardcore, I think, was what he was championing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, one of the members of uh, Team CCW, Eddie Kingston. Oh, wow. It was like yeah. the Briscoes, it was him, and it was like Necro Butcher, wasn't it? 
it was it, it, well actually the Briscoes weren't weren't in, went on that team. It was uh, ne- Necker Butcher was on it. It was actually the the Kings of Wrestling. It was Hero and Claudio, hmm. aka Cesaro. Uh, I I saw something recently from someone. Maybe it was the IVP video guy. Somebody on like social media on Twitter who was there at that show, and they they basically said like I have never seen another wrestling pro wrestling match like this. Like the the intensity from people in the crowd was like off the charts. Wow. And I can believe that. That was like a really, really heated feud. And I C- never did get to say any of that. It was, I mean, because CZW at the time still had enough like marquee value to make it work. Mm. It's kind of like if you go back and listen to podcasts about like the Smoky Mountain versus USWA feud and, and, um, Oh, what's his name? There's a guy who talked about going to like the show in the Mid South Coliseum as a Smoky Mountain fan, and they had to like be escorted out like at the end because they were concerned about USWA fans jumping them. Uh huh. Like I think it had a lot of that to it. Hmm. Okay. It's interesting. By the way, I found um, a report. The people that led the charge on the XBW crew after they got kicked out of the building was Mikey Whipwreck, Amish Roadkill, uh, Sally Graciano, New Jack, and supposedly even Paul Heyman. Hmm. So that's two really big dudes, New Jack, Mikey Whipwreck, and Heyman going after, like, Messiah, Kid Chaos, Supreme, Homeless Jimmy. What did Sal do, sit on them? <laughs> he, I don't know. You get that much mass going behind a big punch, that's enough to lay anybody out. Wasn't Sal like Haystacks Calhoun like size? He was pretty big, yeah. He's, yeah, he's pretty big. I think that's why he was just a bodyguard and not. Yeah, they didn't have him. That. They didn't really have him out there doing bumps. Yeah. Know? So, uh, I never did get to see the the CZWROH stuff. So that's that's, that's interesting. That's uh, if if I t- if if someone said like. Tell me one thing from ROH to watch. I would probably tell them to watch that cage match, or I would tell them to watch. Like I guess my my recommendations would be watch the Joe Punk stuff, the mm. CZW cage match, the low key Joe Joe fight without honor from year one, or um probably the Briscoes. Dean Generico ladder match. Okay. Was, it, was it a ladder match? There Not was one sure. of theirs that was really good. Who was it that uh, Joe had that bloody, bloody cage match with? That was a Briscoe, I think. Was it a Briscoe? Okay. I think so. I know that at one point Joe had this super bloody cage match with someone that was right around the time of the, the, the punk matches. Oh, but and, I couldn't remember. And um, the... The Dragon Gate six man mm. that was like Do Fixer versus Blood Generation or something. I think the other team's name was from a show that was pretty good. Actually, I don't think it's great, but probably Joe versus Kabashi's would also make my list of oh, check okay. out. Oh, yeah. And yeah, that'd probably be pretty awesome. Probably, I don't remember who they wrestle now. The Joe and Lager, no, the Danielson and Lager team against, I don't remember who they fought though. 
at some point, I think it would be good for us to 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 make a list of um, and this could be down the line, but a list of of matches that we would go to. If someone came to you and said, "Hey, you know, I, I've never watched wrestling before. What would you recommend? Like, what would your go to recommendations for someone like that be?" Uh, but that can be a topic for another time. I, it, I, I could tell you what I would show them first. Because um, okay. because I base a lot of stuff on my wife, but it would be Savage and Steamboat from WrestleMania 3 would be my first. That's a good pick. My first pull. Then I would probably do... Um, actually, I'd probably do Danielson versus Omega from Grand Slam now. <laughs> well, that's a little long. I tried to... See, I tried to recommend like sub 20 minute stuff for um, people probably that tupelo know. concession stand brawl with um that i just saw with lawler and dundee versus latham and ferris just because it's so like nuts and you can only get stuff like that in wrestling the you you mentioned danielson omega from grand slam i watched uh just before we got started i was watching it was a clip from the Observer Radio where Brian Alvarez stated that he enjoyed Danielson Kingston more than Danielson Omega. He didn't say it would be better, but he just personally enjoyed it more. I heard that. I yeah. actually, I have not, I have not gone through my DVR rampage, so I have not seen that match. Yeah, I, I have. And I've, I've not, seen it. It's not really seen, good. I haven't. I have I also haven't seen Danielson versus. Uh, was it Nick Jackson? That one's really yeah. good. He has a I Bobby like Fish high. match in there too, but I thought we, I actually thought um, I actually thought Punk Fish was better than Danielson Fish. We we really do need to do. I feel the pandemic kind of threw things off, but yeah. I actually do feel that we probably should do uh, like a best of uh, awards or so this year. Yeah. Yeah, uh, because I think you can make the argument the this strong argument that that Danielson takes wrestler of the year. I think just um, just for his, yeah. honestly, you could you could probably give that to him just for his work in AEW. Now, you know, I, I, I'm going to have to I'm going to have to pick some snits with that. Oh, no, if you if you have another choice, like that's perfectly fine. And Cause, I, cause I, Kenny Omega's, I Kenny Omega's body of work this year has been because you're forgetting um, Omega Swan happened this year. Yeah, it's there's there's actually some competition this year, I feel, but I would be as, I'd be down because I feel like I watched enough modern wrestling this year to have opinions, whereas right. last year I did not because because yeah. I'm going to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to I'm going to admit something here. But I think we talked about in the show. Um, I could not do the crowdless wrestling. I did not like it. It was like it was like taking a key element out of it for me. And I just I just gave up on modern stuff without crowds because it just doesn't work for me it's really hard to watch it really is you need that because you don't get that like you don't get that like primal feedback to what's going on yeah that's really important and the i feel like that that's something the crowd is a super important part of a match but we'll 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 get into that later i i'm just kind of going with that because Look, Ring of Honor did a lot of cool stuff, but then, you know, post kind of the era of, 
I don't know, kind of that that mid aughts age, at least for me. I I didn't really get to see a lot of Ring of Honor stuff, and there wasn't a whole lot that really drew my attention. Um, you know, pa- Paul Lennon's got some cool spots, but he didn't really hook me in that sort of thing. If that makes sense. I I probably kept good tabs on it until I got married. Honestly, that's kind of when I started mm-hmm. falling off. But I was falling off before that because they were just putting out too many shows. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And then you know stuff started happening like Larry Sweeney died, so Sweet and Sour Inc was gone, and yeah. then yeah. you know they went dark and did um came back with like Jim Cornette booking and then there was that god awful like Davy Richards stuff who I never liked Davy Richards but um mm-hmm. that's a different topic for a different show um and then they they briefly when Jay Briscoe had his second title run for like a year and a half I I that's when I really stuck with the TV for a while and stuff because they kind of stumbled into a good promotion but that's also when like um, AJ Styles came in for a couple months. Like Joe came in for a couple matches. Like um, Alberta Del Rio was doing a couple matches. Um, they had like a brief, maybe four month period where it looked like they were about to break through, and then it just kind of all caved in on them with bad booking. Because mm-hmm. there was um, there was a, there was one AJ Styles match that was really good, and I don't remember what it was. I'm, I'm going to argue there's a bunch of good AJ Styles matches, but well, I want to say a Chris Hero decisions. one, but I think one of those was really not great. Because they had, oh yeah, they had Hero too, because he actually slimmed down for that mm. ROH run, and he was. Um, funny side story about him. He said the first time he lost weight, they were doing a training camp, and Fit Finley came in, and he went to pick him up for a spot, and he was like. And I guess he grunted. He's like, oh, you fat hog or something like that. Yeah. And then he was like, oh, well, I'm going to go lose weight then. Yeah. What Supposedly, he... Hero's got a thyroid condition. That's what he lost one of his contracts. No, was was that Claudio that lost his first contract because of a. I don't know. I think he, he does, looks, though. He does look predisposed to being like heavier. Mm-hmm. Um what is he doing now because i would i would think that that's a dude who could get a contract somewhere i mean if again i hate to beat up on the guy on the guy but if fucking tyrus has yeah. a contract with nwa or is being featured with nwa like he can't let's see you know, can't i feel like i just saw his name attached to something He's not that old. He's 41. No. He's he'll be turning 42 in like a month or so. But that's still in this in the wrestling business. Like that's still young enough that he he could he could still work. Maybe you don't push him as like your champion, but right. he he still got some years in the tank. I feel even if you're gonna have him be uh as just like a support guy. He wrestled March of last year on an NXT UK show. And that was the last he's been seen. Hmm. He's he's been I I saw I felt I saw a report where he is doing something with someone, not necessarily wrestling. I, think, I felt it was more of like a a non wrestling position, but Maybe. I can't remember. Maybe so. I'm not sure. 
Uh, I, I'm not able to find anything else beyond that either. So I think I think it's we've only done one ROH match and it's always been on my list to do more ROH, but we've just never gotten around to it. Um, I've always kind of wanted to go back. The problem is for them too, and with people buying their video library, is is the really early footage is in bad shape. It's not. Mm-hmm. It wasn't shot well. Like I mean, I think we yeah. even talked about we watched that Joe and Loki match, and that was crappy yeah yeah it was it was it was pretty pixelated um if i were to go dig out the uh that dvd of mine i wonder how good the picture on it would be terrible i could tell you that right now uh by the way that the main event of that wasn't even the title match the main event of that was well they didn't even have a title yet but it was christopher daniels versus brian danielson versus low-key low-key I didn't even know who he was at that point. He pissed me off because he didn't stay down and sell for the entire thing. The entire match was Loki basically kicking either Danielson or uh, Christopher Daniels, and someone would pop up to do something. It you know a triangle match, so you're supposed to rotate in and out, and Loki wouldn't ever sell. So it it just became like those two ping, pinballing back and forth, and then Loki being all pissed off, and, you know, not selling for them and stuff. So I know he was at the time because he did stuff with the XWF. Okay. And um, that also had Eddie Guerrero versus Super Crazy on it. Yes, it did, and that was fun. That one was fun. I remember that because that was part of Eddie's rehab tour. I think Joey Matthews and Christian York were on that show. <laughs> wow. That, that's going back to like the early yachts. And then now, there was a tag match that I cannot remember because there was there was uh, there were a couple of guys who were doing this this camp gimmick, and then two oh, dudes yeah, showed that, up. Um, that does not age well because it's a no. Yeah, and then two dudes. So they're doing the camp gimmick, going out there, you know, John with the crowd, getting them wild up. Then the music hits for whoever it is that comes, and these guys just come out there. Oh, uh, that was um, beat that was Monster Mac and um, Devito, I think. Which like, one? The the guys that beat them up because they um, oh, what was their name? That was the Hit Squad. Yeah, it was up. the Hit Squad. No, Hit Squad just showed up and beat the living hell out of them. Chad, me. you're saying it wrong. It's Duh, not the Duh Hits. Okay, you're right. I'm sorry, Duh Hit Squad. Oh, yeah, uh, Mafia and Monster Mac defeated the Christopher Street Connection, which is Buffy and Mace with Alice in Danger. Uh, Amazing Red defeated Jay Briscoe with Mark Briscoe. Xavier defeated Scoot Andrews. The Boogie Knights, Mike Tobin and Danny Drake, defeated the Natural Born Sinners, Homicide, and Boogaloo. Quiet Storm defeated Amazing Red, Brian XL, Chris Devine, Jose Maximo, and Joel Maximo in a something-something-something with Mikey Wick. Whipwreck is the guest. Prince Nana defeated Towel Boy in less than a minute. Spanky and uh, Akeka Loa defeated uh, Michael Shane. Super crazy over Eddie Guerrero. And then the triple threat I already mentioned. Oh, yeah. Uh, Christian York and Joey Matthews are on the second show. It's on the second show? Yeah. Okay. Let's see. Um, Man, I, Brian yep. XL, that was a yep. guy that didn't last very long. <laughs> that na- Wow, that name. I haven't heard that name in like 10 plus years. Same with like Chris yeah. Devine and Quiet Storm. 
Oh wow, yeah. There like was a Mindstorm. Yeah, there was a lot of people from like the the early like the first two three years of Ring of Honor that you did not hear well, stuff. I from. think Divine Storm got um got a tryout on TNA at the time. It's such a weird right? wrestling name, though. You know, Quiet Storm is such a weird wrestling name. Because he'd yell a lot. That way. It was like a joke. But... <laughs> you know what's funny from those early shows is Prince Nana lost all that weight and hung around like as a manager. Um, like for Jimmy Rave? Got mm. Forever. Because yep. he was still kicking around, I think, even like a couple years ago. Hmm. For them. Let's see. Uh, the last Ring of Honor thing that they've got listed on Pro Wrestling Fandom was like in 2009. Here's a here's a name that you probably haven't heard for like a long time, but the very like first year or two of Ring of Honor. Mm-hmm. Mike Michael Shane. Oh, Michael Shawn Michaels' Shane. cousin. Yes, aka like Matt Bentley. Yes. Is that who that is? He was yeah. in he was in TNA for like a few years. Wow. Yeah, he you haven't heard anything from him in over ten years. Oh, and the, another one that we um but that we unfortunately uh lost that lost out on was um Amazing Red getting hurt. Yeah, he, he he's really ashamed because there was a point where he was legitimately awesome and he got yeah. like a knee injury that he came back too soon from and he never recovered. Like, he yeah, was... he, he has done, uh, he's done a few matches recently and he's, I'm not saying he's as good as like his prime, but he, he's, he just, he's, he, he's, 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 he's wrestled since then, but he's never like recaptured that. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. How would, see, this is kind of like bringing bring it to modern era. I would say a, he's not as good as Red was uh, at the time, but a kid like Dante Martin is a guy yeah. that kind of reminds me of Amazing Red, and I think in time, I would say could get that good. I would say he was Darby Allen level, like right when he got that knee injury, he was getting into that yeah. level of good, and he just yeah, wow. he just like he just never recovered and the, sh- the shame is the shame is i bet if he had had that knee injury now it wouldn't have affected him as badly you think he would have taken more time off or i think more time off and i think the surgery methods would have been less invasive and he would have mm. kept more of his mobility gotcha because that's, that's the thing i think people don't understand is even you think of like the odds as like the modern era but Anything like anything arthroscopic or surgical like that, like five years ago is caveman surgery. Like, like my dad had a lot of movement very quickly. Like my dad um, had has had both of his hips replaced. I think he got them done about six or seven years apart. And like Uh the the second one, like the the amount of difference in it with the same Mm -hmm. doctor was just astonishing how different it was yeah yeah that the advancements in orthopedic surgeries is pretty astounding like literally if you if you something like that like gap of like a few years like say five years it's 
it's potentially like completely different. Yeah, like mm-hmm. I, like I said, if like with stuff like that, sometimes like five years ago, like you might as well have had cavemen operating <laughs> on you. Because <laughs> that's what I think that's what people don't understand though. Because my wife and I were talking about this because we were both born in the early '80s, and we were talking about kind of like the stuff we experienced as kids that went away. And and I've listened to some medical stuff, but when you think of like modern modern medicine, it really did not start until like the very early nineties. Right. Like so what you think of as modern medicine is way more way more um recent than you mm-hmm. think. And a lot yeah. of the stuff that people attribute to modern medicine, like life expectancy and better health, actually has nothing to do with modern medicine. It just has to do with the fact that we manage we keep our waste away from our food and water sources. That's oh, yeah. where that a lot of a lot. modern sewage actually has more to do with our lifespan and health than um modern medicine does. I just looked up um amazing reds uh, just just for the visual, because it's kind of hard to place sometimes, but his infrared 540 corkscrew senton. That's an impressive-looking move. I think um, if you want a good match with him is when he and Jerry Lynn beat Triple X, and I think it was... Was it Loki and Skipper were on the other team? When they beat them for the tag titles in TNA, that's a really good example of like him as like a sympathetic baby face. Because mm-hmm. I think he briefly had the X Division title and the tag title at the same time in, in TNA. Oh, double gold. Yeah. Double gold. Which at that in that era was still a novelty. Mm-hmm. But it I, happened rarely enough that it was worth remarking yeah. on. But I think that's it. I mean, I think... I think I think it's not a shock that Ring of Honor kind of as we know it is gone because I think we all saw it coming. I mean, if you look at even our podcast, we used to talk, I mean, I went back to check. We used to talk about Ring of Honor like on the regular with modern stuff and we just stopped at one point. And I think I think Matt pointed out when AEW started that I pointed out when they announced it that ROH was going to have a lot of trouble. Yeah. Well, it was going to be better at better at what ROH wanted to do than ROH ever was. I felt bad for them because when they were hurt more than others with the pandemic, and they did some of the best for for their workers. Like they they basically shut down all operations, but the people that were under contract were still getting paid. Mm-hmm. So that's that's good, uh, and uh, and people like Dave Meltzer have talked about how they they took they took I guess some substantial precautions to kind of protect their workers, mm-hmm. uh, and so they, when people trying to take care of their employees, especially in a wrestling business, that's oftentimes pretty it can be very scummy with how they mm-hmm. treat people. They, yeah, a lot of a lot of a lot of companies treat the, the, their employees as disposable. They didn't do that. They took precautions, uh, and I mean. Just for the history, like they're part of the reason. I, this is gonna sound like it's overstating things, but it really isn't. Like part of the reason why you even have like an AEW or a, a Game Changer Wrestling or a Pro Wrestling Guerrilla, some of these other promotions, is because like Ring of Honor kind of stepped into the breach and made indie wrestling like a thing for a while. 
they they actually had a lot of influence. And I mean, in the later years, obviously they gave they gave a platform and and feet heavily featured the elite guys, at least most of the elites, like the Young Bucks, Adam Cole. Uh, so they they definitely had a part to play with how the modern day wrestling business is. So them potentially folding, and again they're not they're not supposedly folding in reality, but effectively they kind of are because even if they come back, it's not going to be remotely the same. It's going to be I, I again if it's non contractual talent. Yeah, I kind of feel like they're probably going to go more. It's going to be a little bit more game changer wrestling, or I guess it could be if they're focusing more on the actual work rate. It could be more like PWG style. It could be like like evolve, which people would just love that. Yeah, it could be. (laughs) It could be. I I think I think for me to I'm going to have to see it to believe it because, like I said, I can't think of a major promotion and we're not counting Chikara for this that went dark. Well, I guess IWA Mid-South did it too, but that has gone dark and come back successfully, especially a TV oriented product. Yeah. And I want to go touch on one more thing from what Matt said And Sinclair deserves credit because they actually, I think took better care of their contracted talent than any other company did. Yeah. 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 Because they, Just they going pretty much like, shut down for a year, and then they only did like one or two shows with fans in it since since then. But they looked around and they said, "Look, you guys can't work. It's not your fault. But you know, we're we have a contract and we're going to keep paying you. Like that's it. It I'm. It's good that you know having a. Uh, having a company to do that sort of thing, but it's it's sad that it, you know you look at a wrestling company and be like, well, you know that's that's out of the norm. It's like, well, okay, that that it would be in that kind of state, but what are you gonna do? It's just that kind of business. All right, so I think that about wraps us up, doesn't it, guys? Yeah, um, I think so. We're gonna be back with the GWF next week. And I think around the 16th, we have a live stream with Tim. Again, I think we're talking about that um, North Korean WCW show. Okay, the the clash in Korea. Yeah, and I think we might okay. be talking a bit about Bru- Bruiser Brody's murder. Gotcha. Boy, that's gonna be a that's gonna be a complicated show. Yes, definitely. <laughs> I think we'll talk yeah. about Saudi Arabia because I think what Tim kind of turned it into was wrestling in dangerous places. Yeah. Ooh, we could talk about um, Cliff Compton and, um, and Luke Drew Gallows, Gallows in and, Nigeria. Because um... then that 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 would let Chad talk about the wrestler that he is an unabashed mark for. Oh God! Don't say. The great power Udi. Did, no. did he get convicted for murdering his <laughs> wife, or did that just kind of go away? Just as a random aside. Let me look. Um, I don't know. I think I I looked it up because I, I wondered because I was thinking about it for the sake of the live stream. And I saw where they talked about him going on trial or being charged with it, but I never saw like a result. 
he is a odd looking dude. Um, and his ring gear weird too. Let's see. I mean, he's like the most bargainist, discountist wrestler. <laughs> Hulk Hogan wannabeist. Yes. Yeah. Um. I, all I have found is that he was arraigned. I haven't found. It happened in like 2018, and I think mid 2018. So I wonder if that got held up because of COVID. October 2017. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know. I, I don't know how. Either. I don't know how the justice system works, like in Nigeria. So I don't know. Yeah. Or if people uh, just lost interest and like haven't bothered to like translate it into English either. Right. Right. I don't I don't know. I wasn't able to find anything off of a quick search, so It was a weird story though, wasn't it? Like it was really like a bizarre crime, wasn't or am I misremembering? I'd have to go back and read it. My memory's yeah. too fuzzy. I'm gonna have to read it cause I, and just have it in the, my back pocket. But if you want, if it's still out there, uh, Cliff Compton on Colt Cabana talking about his experience with the Great Power Udi is um, quality entertainment. Yeah, I, I keep meaning to listen to that, and um, it, it's 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 uh, it, for some reason it just keeps falling out of the back of my mind. Yeah, it's it's fine. It happens. There's so much stuff out there. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, everybody, thank you for joining us. Um, I've been talking about, you know, Ring of Honor because we'll see what happens. Um, we'd love to hear from you on social media. What are your favorite Ring of Honor memories? And so this is Shad with Matt and Brad. We've been in three quarters. You're in the fourth, and we'll catch you next time. <laughs>